Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Monday, new week, Sports Talk Mississippi with you. On the 24th of June, glad to have you along. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey, Brian Haydad. Get the whole crew back together for the entire three hours this afternoon. This part hasn't changed. Sports Talk brought to you by Mississippi Land Bank. You can find them online at mslandbank.com. Whether you've got equipment needs, you're buying a piece of property, you're refinancing an existing loan, maybe you're a farmer with a need for a production loan, or maybe you're building a dream house in the country, Mississippi Land Bank can help. If you are in North Mississippi and have land financing needs of any kind, check them out online at mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Good to be with you as we start a new week. You can text the show on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. C Spire, customer inspired. Borky, how was your weekend? Weekend was good. It did a lot of dad yard work this weekend and had one of those moments, I'm sure you've had them, where you go to your local uh, like greenhouse or whatever, you go buy a bunch of plants and it costs hundreds of dollars if you're having to completely redo your yard like we are because it was left in horrible shape. You work all day Saturday from about 8 o'clock in the morning till about 6 o'clock at night, and when you get done, you look around and think, Holy crap, that's all I did? Had one of those moments this weekend. Well, yeah, I get that. But the, the to me, the cool thing about yard work, whether it's mowing the grass or weed eating or edging or trimming trees or redoing flower beds or whatever, even if you don't get as much done as you thought you did or as much done as you would like to do, there is like a sense of immediate gratification because... You started something, you got something done, you can see the progress, and boom. It's not like you started this project that has no end ever in sight. You can see that, hey, I accomplished that. Yeah, the post-yard work beer is pretty good, too. (laughs) Fair enough. Hey, Dad is back in Mississippi after about a week and a half in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome back, my friend. It's good to be back, man. I brought the heat with me, evidently. It was not like this up in Nebraska, as you might imagine. Yes, yeah, so the week that you left was like the most amazing weather week ever. You know, mm-hmm. mid-June, temperatures in the low to mid-80s, low humidity, etc. And then last week was just smoking. When we played golf on Friday at Old Waverly, I think the heat index was 105. I mean, it was a hot day. And then... When I walked out of the house Saturday morning, I mean, I get Mississippi humidity, but it was one of those, like, punch-you-in-the-face days. Yeah. But then at least in North Mississippi, where we are, last night about 5 o'clock, there was a front that blew through, 
And yeah. I actually, I was outside when it happened, and I walked inside. I guess, guys, the uh, humidity just dropped about thirty percent, and the temperature just dropped like ten degrees. It's unbelievable. And then it rained. There you go. Welcome <laughs> to Mississippi. Yeah, exactly. Not not bad today though. Mid eighties. No, it's fairly low humidity. It's funny. it's funny hearing about Borky's productive weekend because, buddy, I didn't do anything. <laughs> kind of earned I it just, though. I put my feet up and I was like, I'm gonna relax. And my uh, my wife and kids actually weren't home when I got home, so I had to. I was gonna say that's got to be the only way you pulled off doing nothing this yeah, weekend after they, being they, gone for a week. They and took a half. my we took my youngest daughter to Chattanooga for her birthday, and oh. uh, so uh, I had the house to myself and I took full advantage by doing nothing. It was great. Rippy, you have a good weekend. I did. Uh, I don't really have anything to add about yard work being cool. I didn't do a whole lot. It was great. You you have moved into a new house though, right? In the process, I've still got to get the uh, the bed and like I, there's two things I need to move with the truck, so uh, I still got to get that done. Oh, it's rent payment maybe in the there somewhere? Truck fell too. Yeah, yes, of course, because I live in a house. Um, so it's uh yeah, so a little bit of that, but once I, I, get I do have a truck. Done. Yeah, but like, was I gonna would call you on Saturday and be like, hey? Well, no, not on Saturday, but I mean, like oh, that's, one that's... one evening after the kids go to bed. If you need me to help you move something that's not too terribly time consuming or heavy, I'll be happy to help. Appreciate that. Not too bad. I think I'm going to get it knocked out tonight or tomorrow. I put a couple of caveats on there too, <laughs> not get myself uh, too roped into it. Uh, we're good, glad to be with you. The College World Series will come to an end either tomorrow night or on Wednesday night. Finals begin tonight, Vanderbilt and Michigan. And if you had been picking teams before it began, you very well, uh, very well might have gotten one of the two teams. But I don't think there are too many folks that were picking Michigan uh, to come out of the left side of the bracket to uh, get into this championship match with, uh, with Vanderbilt. Hey, Dad, you were out there. Was there any kind of a presence from Michigan fans at all that, that grew even you know, a little bit during the tournament? What what made them noticeable was they didn't dress like baseball fans. They dressed like Big Ten football fans. A lot of Michigan football jerseys walking around Omaha when when I did see them. So uh, that said, I, I was surprised at the the number of Michigan fans that I saw. I didn't think it would be a large number. And I mean, honestly, I don't have a real good estimate on it. But basically, everywhere I went in Omaha, I saw at least one person wearing maize and blue. Well, that's good. They they should be there. And it's not like it's happened recently where Michigan's been in the College World Series or certainly has had a chance to uh, play for a national title. Um, what what fan base, not named Mississippi State, was best represented in Omaha? Just, you know, based on what you saw. <laughs> the one fan base I saw, it literally, I must have seen a fan of this school like 20 times. LSU. was right? LSU. LSU. It was hilarious. I, I would snicker every time I saw them, too. Uh, there were a good number of Vandy fans there, a good number of Arkansas fans for the, you know, they had the short ride, obviously, in terms of how long they were there. But they, they, well, while Arkansas was there, there was a lot of, of Arkansas fans. Texas Tech had a lot of fans as well. That's uh, kind of become a regular thing for uh, for Texas Tech to uh, to be there. So that, I suppose, uh, makes sense as you, uh, you look at the fan bases represented um, we'll get in a little bit this afternoon to um, kind of a, a post-mortem. We said on Friday that we would do that. We didn't spend a ton of time on baseball 
on uh, on Friday. We talked about a lot of other things, a lot of golf on Friday and uh, some wing sports and some quail hunting and uh, just a really good time. Uh, I mentioned it on Twitter on uh, on Friday night. I want to say uh, publicly again today, uh, thanks so much to uh, all the folks at Old Waverly and, uh, and at Mossy Oak for hosting us on Thursday night and uh, on Friday. Great golf on Friday morning. Fun time on the show on Friday afternoon. Uh, George Bryan and his, uh, his entire staff there and all the good folks at Mossy Oak as well just could not have been more hospitable, more welcoming to us. And we had a big time. Uh, while we were there, we we missed you being there though. Hey, Dad, you would have sweated like a stuck pig. <laughs> well, you I'm would sad have. I wasn't there. Yeah, because, that was fun. Yeah. So, would you have gone along for the ride? Just like got in a cart and just ridden along with us if you had been there? I, I was going to caddy for Rippy. Well, I mean, caddy. You, we we have golf carts. You weren't carrying a bag. Mm, I would have driven the golf cart the and given him. I would have given him advice on 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 you know on on the shots and all that type of stuff. Maybe that was what was missing in your uh, in your score. Absolutely, and then I could have like we're like ridden on his back to the places where you can't take carts. Just have him like carry me across the place. <laughs> like, I'd have done it. Like uh, like the the bear. What do you call that? Piggy, piggyback. Yeah. You got a piggyback ride across the fairway from uh, Hey Dad. It'd been a team exactly. effort. We should play golf again so that we can get that on video, uh, maybe in the uh, the not-too-distant future. So College World Series finals game one tonight. We'll put a bow on Mississippi State season. We'll also start to kind of really turn the page toward football season. We'll take a look. We've done this a little bit at the SEC's non-conference schedules. Borky has gone to the uh, painstaking task of ranking the non-conference schedules for all 14 teams in the A. Uh, I'm sorry, in the SEC. It's list season, buddy. It is. It is, but it doesn't have to necessarily be number one, number two, number three. We can make it more discussion-like as uh, as we go through it. The American Athletic Conference may be looking for a new member. News coming out over the weekend that UConn was leaving the American. And, Borky, you asked the question here. I had the same thought over the weekend. Is this possibly an opening for Southern Mississippi? Is there a spot where USM could jump into the American? That certainly would be... Uh, a big deal for the Golden Eagles if they could make that move. But is there any interest? Is there any reason for the American to look to Hattiesburg to possibly fill the spot uh, left behind from UConn? That is a conference that's kind of spread out all over the place. But geographically, I think it would make more sense for Southern Miss to be a part of that league than it did for UConn to be a part of the league. Right? Yeah, and they would actually be competitive in football. <laughs> Uh, which UConn was not able to do in the last few years. Yeah, at least not in recent years. You go back to 2010, you had UConn in the Fiesta Bowl, and uh, there were all the stories about them losing money by playing in that game because they just couldn't sell any tickets. Winners and losers coming up. Also want you to be thinking about winners and losers because we will get to some of your winners and losers from the weekend. Cam Newton tried to dig deep into his wallet to get a better seat on an airplane, and the guy in the seat that he wanted was having none of it. All of that as we get started with you. Sports Talk Mississippi and the Renaissance Bank Studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Monday afternoon. Glad to have you along. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey, and Brian Haydad. 
So a little bit of a baseball conversation, and we'll kind of roll this into talking a little bit about Mississippi State, wrapping up their season, and maybe kind of some big-picture thoughts on uh, on all three programs in the state of Mississippi. I, I guess one thing that maybe would be worth throwing out there as a question, baseball-specific, and maybe later in the week we'll do this with kind of the entire academic year for what well, we're in 2019 now, so the 2018-2019 academic year. Soccer and football at the start of it, rolling through the end of baseball season. Um, maybe kind of the, the high water mark or the moment that stands out the most for you at Mississippi State, at Southern Miss, at Ole Miss for the entire season. Uh, we'll get to that later in the week, but guys, maybe be thinking baseball specific as to uh, what you think uh, the moment that stands out more than any other for you in this baseball season was. We are rolling into the final two or three games of the College World Series. Uh, Pitching matchup tonight, right-hander Drake Fellows on the mound for Vanderbilt. His only loss all season came in the regional against Duke. He is 13-1 on the year, an ERA just below four. He's got a 3.97 earned run average. And on the mound for Michigan, left-hander Tommy Henry. 11-5 11 and 5 on the season with an ERA of 3.27. Vanderbilt is a combined 11 and 1 uh, versus College World Series teams following its 3 to 2 win against Louisville on Friday night. In 12 games this year against College World Series teams, Vanderbilt hit 3.04, averaging just shy of 7 runs per game with a team ERA of 3.28. I think most of us would say that this is Vanderbilt's national championship to win, but if you just go that route, are you selling Michigan short in much the same way that people have sold Michigan short since the day they announced the field of 64 for the the college baseball tournament? It's sort of yes and no. You're definitely selling them short, but at the same time, Vanderbilt is by far the best team in the in the country. And they should be the overwhelming favorite to win this. And so you're not really, you know, doing Michigan a disservice. You're not really insulting them by saying, "I think Vanderbilt's going to win." But Michigan has definitely showed up and, and you know, surprised a lot of people, and and you know, have put together this great run. And, and we'll see if they can take it a step further. It, to me, it'd be a huge, huge upset though if Michigan were to be able to find a way to win. Vanderbilt's definitely the favorite, but like, what? I mean, hell, Tommy Henry's coming off like. The outing of his life, presumably, unless he's pitched since then. No, he threw the complete game in his first outing in the College World Series. Right, it was, what three hits? One of them was the leadoff batter of the game. Yeah, and then like I mean, if they do it, they got to win tonight. I know that sounds like big braid stuff, but like that's their best guy. Drake Phillips' numbers have been fairly pedestrian. He's got the great win loss record, but his ERA is almost four, like one point three something whip. Like very good, not great. Like he's not Kumar Rocker. And so I'd give him a chance, but obviously, you know, Henry pitching to that lineup is probably a little different than anything he's seen the rest of the year. Yeah, didn't I see somewhere in the notes, and I think this still holds true, Michigan has used a total of four pitchers in the College World Series. Tommy Henry threw game one and threw a complete game. Kaufman threw game two, and then they went to Chrysler out of the bullpen. They had a different starter for game three and went to Chrysler out of the bullpen. So that would be one, two, three, four. Maybe it's five pitchers. Or did Kaufman throw the game? He threw the game on Friday to get him to this point, right? I don't know. Whatever. 
Michigan has not gone deep into their pitching staff, and I think that's one area where if Vanderbilt is able to put a little pressure on Michigan, you could see the difference. Oh, I would certainly agree with that. They're definitely the favorites, but like, it wouldn't be inconceivable, particularly in a two out of three with all your starting pitching fresh. And I see Borky puts here in the notes, feels like everyone is pulling for Michigan. Uh, yeah, no duh. <laughs> You're right about that. Compare this to a football comparison. Michigan winning this national championship would be like who winning football in 2019? Um... Michigan State beating Alabama if Alabama got 50 scholarships to everyone else's 25? (laughs) I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but this is what this is. They finally mentioned it on the TV broadcast, but it was really... Did you hear it? I I don't even remember which guy said it, but it was very loose in passing. Like, And Vanderbilt has a slight advantage in the scholarship department, and they moved right along. But at least somebody's finally acknowledging it on the broadcast. Slight is in double. Just so we're clear. Yeah. Everybody else is at not quite 12, and Michigan, or excuse me, Vanderbilt is at somewhere in the 25 to 30 range. Or, I mean, we've not gotten like an actual breakdown. That's just what everybody believes to be the case. And, you know, this has kind of turned Vanderbilt in some ways into public enemy number one. Which isn't entirely fair because there are other schools that are trying to replicate what Vanderbilt has been doing for a long time. But it's kind of, it's a little fascinating because normally a program like Vanderbilt, who is traditionally at the bottom of a conference, if you're talking about kind of across the board athletics department, you'd have a lot of people going, oh man, good for them. I'd love to see them get to win a national championship. That's just not the case. It doesn't feel like there's anybody from the SEC outside of the league office in Birmingham and the folks in, Van- in in Nashville that are fans or alums who are like, yeah, let's go doors. Go get you one. Yeah, that comp- SEC, yeah. SEC chest thumping that you get in football season isn't happening here. I it's think a combination of the scholarship thing and the whistler. I yeah, mean, I was about it, to say, they have, their, they have their tamed-down version of Harvey Updike. Like, the parallels are more similar than you think. What? Vanderbilt and Alabama? Yeah. You're, you're stretching on that. Okay, well, we'll see. Talk to me when they win another national title or four. Who, Alabama or Vanderbilt? Vanderbilt. <laughs> but, yeah, I think you see less conference pride stuff in football now. I think people kind of realize that that doesn't make a ton of sense. Yeah. Um. Conference pride, okay, maybe it's going away. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Well, Van- there's a question for you. Hey, Dad, if, if Andy wins game one tonight and tomorrow night they're up, uh, oh, let's say they're up eight to three, and they would be the visiting team tomorrow night. So they're batting top of the eighth inning, eight to three, leading, about to win a national championship. Are the, uh, are the plucky Vanderbilt fans going to start the SEC chant? Uh, they probably will, but any remaining MSU, LSU, whoever fans, Arkansas fans who decide just to stick it out for the week probably will not join in. Fair enough. Um, anybody picking Michigan to win this? Certainly, Vegas is not. They've got, uh, although the odds are a little bit closer than uh, than you might think. Um, Vanderbilt is the favorite, but it's not overwhelming. I think it's minus two hundred or two twenty. Michigan's like plus one eighty five as the uh, the underdog. It's not like crazy over overwhelming, is it? 
No. No. It's baseball. I mean, and Michigan's hot right now. There's no reason to think that, you know, that they they, they could win. They could win. I don't think they're going to win. They're not going to be favored to win, but they could win. Yeah. Well, and if they do, it's going to be because they get more dominating pitching and they come up with clutch hits because that's kind of what they've done all through uh, all throughout the uh, the way. Let's see. Uh, Caesars has Vanderbilt minus two twenty and Michigan plus one eighty five going into the NCAA tournament. Vanderbilt was the odds on favorite to win the whole thing at four to one. Michigan had two hundred to one odds to win the entire tournament. So that has. Uh, that certainly has shifted over the uh, the course of the last three weeks. What's the lasting image for you, hey Dad, for Mississippi State in 2019? It's funny you asked that. That was the topic of today's pod, and I'll, I'll just go back to it. You know, I tried to, I tried to come up with a bunch of positive ones, but honestly, Richard, I will always remember the last hit of that ball game against Louisville and Mangum. You could tell on his face, even from far away as I was, he realized he wasn't going to get to the ball, and when he just when the ball hits and he just collapses in the outfield, I will never forget that. Yeah. There's there's been a good bit of play. You may have seen this on Twitter. Um, post-game comments from Jake Mangum when he was at the dais at the College World Series. And I don't know that we've got enough time to really get into to this right this second. And and this isn't necessarily like a winners and losers topic for me, but I do think it's something that that merits some conversation. Let, let's set aside for a second the fact that we live in a state that's dominated by two teams who are bitter rivals, and Jake Mangum was really really good against Ole Miss over the course of four years, and Ole Miss fans are happy to see him no longer in a Mississippi State uniform. I thought there were some a couple of takeaways from Jake Mangum after Mississippi State was eliminated from the College World Series that show you a little bit more than just another college athlete. And um, we'll get to that when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. About half an hour in on this Monday afternoon in the Renaissance Bank studio, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for being with us on this Monday. So I mentioned before the break, um, Jake Mangum's career comes to an end for Mississippi State. He is the rare four-year player who was an impact player for all four years. He walks away as the all-time hits leader in the SEC. And I just kind of put the caveat in there that, well, because of where we live and what we talk about all the time, that certainly there are Ole Miss fans that are thrilled that they will never have to see Jake Mangum in a maroon or black or white jersey again because he had a ton of success against Ole Miss in his time. But I thought it was kind of interesting that when he sat there for the the post-game press conference, Alongside Chris Lamonis and who was there with him? Hey, Dad. Uh, Cole Gordon was with him. Okay, Cole Gordon as well. Jake Mangum took that moment, you know, among some other questions, to kind of lay out how important he thought it was for college baseball to adapt and to grow. And he pointed out the fact that the 11.7 scholarships were a complete joke that the no-paid third assistant 
was a complete joke. And he pointed out that he said, look, he said, you got a million people. By the way, viewership for the College World Series up significantly this year, averaging right at a million people per game on television. And he pointed out the massive crowds that were at every single game at TD Ameritrade and and just kind of pointed to the fact that college baseball is growing and some of the people that are continuing to leave rules or legislation or however you want to describe it in place that hamper the growth of the game are ridiculous. And I thought what he said was, was pretty well put together. I thought it was pretty insightful. And I thought it said something about Jake Mangum that that's something that would have been on his mind in that moment and that he would take advantage of the platform that he had. And really some of what Jake Mangum said on Thursday night, late Thursday night after that game was over, turned into a little bit of a jumping off point or a little bit of a launching pad for Tim Corbin and Eric Backich to a certain degree as well, the coaches at Vanderbilt and Michigan respectively, in their pre-College World Series finals press conferences yesterday where they returned to the got-to-get-a-third-paid assistant. I don't know that anybody really wants to hear Tim Corbin talking about scholarship limitations unless he's got the ability to kind of drive that narrative. I don't know that he does. I don't know if he cares about it for the rest of college baseball or not. But certainly he's passionate about the third-paid assistant piece. You you were in there, hey Dad. What what was it, or, or were you? Were you in the locker room at that I point, or were you room. in? I was in the locker okay. room, but I've watched it since. And uh, I mean, I don't want to say that like that's just the kind of guy Mangum is because I, I didn't expect it. You know, you think in the in the heat of that moment right there, and you know his career is over, and the first thing he he comes across is we got to talk about the, the the big picture of the game of college baseball. I didn't expect that, um, but everything he says right. You know, and, and you do sense like a growing frustration from people in college baseball of the way the, the sport is treated, that there's just not enough scholarships to go around and they're not allowing you to pay for coaches. And meanwhile, not that football isn't, you know, what drives everything and puts money into the bank, but, you know, there's just so much, there's just so much with football right now and, it's, and baseball can't get, you know, it, it seems like a, you know, a crumb thrown its way from time to time. So, you know, Good for Mangum to take that that moment, you know, because that's the last time he'll have that uh, that platform. You know, as, you know, now as much as he's beloved in Mississippi, he's just a minor league baseball player for the New York Mets, and then you know he's not going to have that kind of uh, of audience probably again unless he you know makes it up into the big leagues sometime soon. So, good for Mangum to take that that opportunity. But like, I was very surprised to to hear him at, at moments after a crushing loss like that to have uh, that kind of perspective. Regardless of how you feel about Jake Mangum, you know if you're a Mississippi State plan, uh, fan, certainly you love the guy. If you're an Ole Miss fan, you probably got some mixed emotions. If you're neither and you just watch the game at a kind of I'm interested in college baseball level, then you're probably really impressed with Jake Mangum and the way that he plays the game. But it's kind of neat to see, and, and, and Rippy and I were talking about it in the break just a moment ago. Jake Mangum is not like on an island of one in being a, a college athlete who is insightful and who is interested in more than just the game that he plays. You've got guys that are like that. But he is rare in the fact that he is a, a senior and has graduated and has played at a really high level. You, you've got guys, but it's frankly, it's pretty few and far between where you come across that type of player 
who's pretty well-rounded, who's a success on the field, and has got that kind of insight into the game. Yeah. And, I mean, and, and, and into the game more than just for his team, if that makes yeah. sense. Every time I've talked to Mangum in any kind of interview format, it's different than any other interview I've ever done. And I mean, I've talked to guy, I've talked to Dak, and you know, talked to you know athletes that you would consider transcendent at Mississippi State. You know, people that will be remembered. And with Mangum, it's always just different. He's just a different kind of guy. You know, he 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 sees the big picture better than almost any athlete I've ever spoken to. And you know, it goes back to you know the first interview we did with him uh, this season uh, at Media Day, where he talked about coming back and playing for four different coaches and, and and his perspective on that and just since then he he has just been he's just been a different kind of guy to interview and a guy you know whose whose perspective for me you know I don't normally learn anything when I when I talk to these college athletes you see it's a lot of you know well, I'm doing my best and for the team blah 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 but with Mangum you feel like he's actually talking to you and actually you're like hey this is this is actually how I think and feel yeah, and, and maybe that's maybe that you may have said that better than I did. I think ultimately the thing for me is when you have a guy that listens to a question and he thinks about it and he gives you an actual answer. Yeah, that that's an engaging answer as opposed to just speaking in sound bites. That frankly is the way college athletes and a lot of professional athletes are programmed and taught to talk, talk to talk to the media in that way. Uh, maybe maybe it's just that that's kind of refreshing that that you realize that there's more there, and you get a little bit more. And is there uh, an Ole Miss that, guy like that? Is there a guy that you've interviewed that that, that stands out for you? I, Rippy, I'll, I'll defer to you on that. As far as like well put together, no, just that that you kind of come away from a conversation with, and you go, okay, that's not just another college athlete. Um, that's a guy who gets it from a big picture standpoint. I mean, I think there are plenty of guys that get it. Like, it's not necessarily like a like I, I elite. I mean, I don't know. Cooper Johnson is well put together from a freshman on. So is Doug Nikhazy. I mean, he like Doug Nikhazy had a time or two this year where like the interview ended and then he's just standing there, like continues the conversation, just talking. And like, I, I'm not even actually sure if he realized the interview had ended or not. Yeah, <laughs> he was just kind of talking. So yeah, I mean, he, there's plenty, particularly in baseball. I don't know what it is about baseball, but it seems like kids come in as freshmen a little more put together. Maybe that's just an observation I made in the short time I'm, I've been around it, and maybe that's because they've dealt with real-life experiences like you know turning down millions of dollars and stuff like that to some degree. But, yeah, I mean, there's been quite a few. I felt like, for a, a recent example, I felt like in some ways Terrence Davis kind of oscillated back and forth between being – real and genuine and interested and, and engaging versus just kind of giving you press conference sound bites. Um, I don't know if that's a good example or, or not. And, and, you know, I'm trying to kind of think back to some post-game interviews in the locker room in football. I don't know if there's one that just absolutely stands out. I think you um, might have one on roster this year, if you don't mind me jumping in here. Uh, Matt Corral uh, in the spring showed the elements of honesty and maybe they shut that down I hope they don't uh, because the way he described the difference between what he was taught in the offense a year ago versus the one he's being taught right now was very transparent and you learned a lot in the five minutes of video that you got from him in the spring and hopefully they let him continue to do that because it was actually like football insightful answers and refreshingly Super honest when he didn't have to be. 
Yeah. Also, another part of it, when I was thinking about the freshman thing, we don't really talk to, we don't get to talk to freshmen in football, barring a few exceptions. So that probably, that probably plays into it too. I yeah. understand why they don't let that happen. I wish that would change, though. What's it's the a, old Miss rule for that? For it's state, it's always been if they've played in the game, you can talk to them. Well, I mean, there's exceptions, like when Shea Patterson or whatever took over, and like he, you know, he was allowed to talk. We talked to Corral before this year a couple of times. So like if they if they make gigantic impacts, there's sometimes there's exceptions, but that's kind of the general rule. You know, interestingly enough, when Hugh Freeze was the head coach, there was a no talk to freshman rule, but it wasn't like a hard and fast rule. Like after the Texas A and M game, they let Shea Patterson jump on television. And then they didn't let us talk to him on the radio in the post in the locker room. I don't know if I've ever been madder. We talked about we talked to him that next Monday with a uh, a message beforehand. Yeah, and um, you wonder why Laramie Tunsil said what he did on draft night because he was protected for three the, years. The kid, the, the, it's honestly setting them up for failure. We like Tunsil didn't talk for I don't know the exact date, but whatever it was, yeah. how long after that happened, and then they just feed him to the wolves with the largest media stage in the world. Well, and I was just going to say the flip side of that is we were able to talk to anybody that we wanted to talk to last year with Matt Luke in charge in the post-game setting. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Monday afternoon with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott, Rippy Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind, maybe you're a farmer and you need to buy a new tractor or a cotton picker or a combine or some sort of spreader or fertilizer rig or one of those high boys to spray your land, whatever the equipment is that you need, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They can also help you with production loans, refinancing an existing loan, or maybe it's buying new land altogether. If you're in North Mississippi and you have land financing needs, Mississippi Land Bank can help. MSLandBank.com. That's Mississippi Land Bank. It is Monday, and on Mondays we do this, winners and losers. All I, all I, all I, all I do is win. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. So we've been doing winners and losers at 4 o'clock on Monday afternoons for a long time. And some of you have started kind of texting us your winners or losers. And some of you send that to the Sports Mississippi, uh, Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed at Sports Talk M-I-S-S. And so we thought maybe we would make that official. So kind of played around with it a little bit. But starting today... We're going to add a winners and losers segment. We will give you hours in the first segment of the 4 o'clock hour on Monday afternoons, and then we will follow it up with your winners and losers from the weekend. What did you see on television? What did you see at an event that you went to? Um, What did you read about that falls into the winners or losers category from the weekend? You can text us those to the C Spire text line. Don't miss out on the latest deal from C Spire. Buy a top smartphone on C Spire's nationwide LTE network and get one free. That's right. Buy one of the top smartphones and get a second one free from C Spire, only available for a limited time. C Spire, customer inspired. C Spire text line 601-879-4395. So send us your winners or losers from 
the weekend. Hey, Dad, you're finally home. I'm going to give you the honors. Give me a winner. Quindary Weatherspoon. I was not expecting to hear his name called uh, at the NBA draft, and technically I didn't hear his name, his name called because it happened while I was in the locker room uh, wrapping up the uh, MSU Louisville game. But he's headed to San Antonio, uh, a guy that you know was a great player in college, really underrated in player in college, in my opinion. And uh, glad to see him get a chance at, at the next level. You know, second round picks—it's always a crapshoot to see if they'll actually stick with the roster. But you know, he couldn't be going to a better franchise. I'll tell you that. And and um, we'll see if he he can uh, make it stick. There you go, Borky, uh, winner from the weekend. Moral high horse riders—they had a really good weekend this weekend. Okay. Yeah, up. you should tell go. me more. Oh, the the Louisville pitcher um, says some choice words, and it was caught on camera to the Vanderbilt dugout after they were chirping him during the inning. And apparently, that has caused some adult men, some of which used to play sports themselves or cover sports currently, even one at ESPN, for example, who decided to uh really attack this kid and, and the guy from ESPN I'm referencing even said that he will never root for this kid again because he said a bad word on a baseball field as if anybody that's ever competed in their life before has never had a moment where they said something they probably shouldn't have no the kid shouldn't have said what he did in the college world series that is a word that you don't really want to be on camera saying, but this think of the children. Oh, it's imba- all of that stuff coming from people that played sports, riding their little moral high horse into bad opinion town. It's embarrassing. A 21-year-old kid said a bad word in the biggest game of his life. It's happened before. It'll happen again. You've probably done it. So just pipe down a little bit. Yeah, this falls into the rant that I've been screaming to the abyss for like three weeks now. This is not real. No one is actually upset about this. Like, he said the F word twice on television. Like, no one actually turned the television off or changed the way they went about their day or the game. They wouldn't have remembered five minutes later if they had to tweet it about it. This is just manufactured. It's completely fake. The kid said the F word twice after he struck out a dude in probably the biggest high leverage moment of his life. Like, who is actually upset about this? It's probably not going on the sportsmanship reel. No, he shouldn't have done it, but... Mike up a couple offensive linemen and tell me if it's any different. <laughs> Mike up a couple of refs and tell me it's any different. It's all it's all fake. But I mean, not to Borky, like not to saying that like b- what Borky's talking about isn't real. The people that are on the moral high horse, they don't really feel the way they feel. Give me a winner, Rippy. <sighs> well, now I don't have any. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I... <laughs> Um, so I actually discovered this watching the golf tournament yesterday. Zach Sucher? I don't know if it's Sucker or Sucher. Um, a UAB guy who'd spent basically, from what I can gather, the last two and a half years out of golf battling injuries had to wait like over 14 months for his PGA Tour disability policy to kick in. So went out without any income. This is a first year guy on the PGA Tour. Um, so he didn't have a lot of money. And then it's kind of kind of made his way back in the last couple of months. He split time on the web.com tour, made a lot of different travel from like middle, like uh, Central America back and forth playing both tours. Finished in a tie for second at the Travelers yesterday that pretty much changed his entire life. $633,000. He was basically in tears afterward. Uh, I watched his press conference, him talking about like what he's had to overcome and like literally not having any idea if he'd make ends meet at a certain point. Yeah. Pretty cool. That's uh, it's a pretty neat story. Um, 
20-year high school reunion Ooh. this weekend. I uh, I did not make it back in time on Friday to participate in the festivities, and then we did some family stuff, so there was like a Saturday afternoon picnic, bring your kids, didn't make it for that. But Saturday night, got to uh, visit with some friends that I hadn't seen in a while. It feels like it's a little bit different for me because they're people that I graduated with who still live here and I still live here, so I see them on a semi-regular basis, or maybe their parents still live here and they still come back. But uh, make it 20, 20 years Seems like a really long time to not feel like it was that long ago. You didn't take my advice. What was your advice? Rock the Letterman jacket and talk about your football stats. Do you know how hot it was? No. On Saturday, you don't know how hot it was on Saturday. That's yeah. how you it was really your dominance right there. Though really hot on Saturday, I was not rocking. You're the alpha of that group. Take take advantage. Exactly. I See? think my mother has my high school Letterman's jacket somewhere. She probably knows exactly where it is. I've not seen it in a really long time. It was a cool thing. My dad gave me his high school, and he had a college one as well. I, I guess that they may still do that. I don't know. I didn't play in college. But that was a cool thing when I was like 11 years old. My dad gave me his old high school letterman jacket. And so I, I've got mine somewhere. I want to do the same thing for, for my kid I, when he gets old enough. Borky, I don't know if they still do it in college or not. But I do know that Harry Harrison, who's the color analyst on the uh, Ole Miss football radio network, got a Letterman sweater, like this thick wool button-up Letterman's uh, cardigan, and he broke it out a couple of times last year. He decided for, I I don't know if it's homecoming or just the first cold game of the year, he broke out the old Letterman sweater. That is a power move. Yeah, that's class, too. Those things are awesome looking. Anything on the losers list? The LSU SB Nation site, because they are trying... I mean, it's... I know that the SB Nation sites are generally... What would that like, be? AndTheValleyShook.com? Yeah, the, those guys. And generally, they put out pretty funny and good content. But this weekend has been brutal with the trying to make it seem like funneling laundered money through a children's cancer hospital charity to pay recruits is what everybody does. That is not yeah. the cheating that everybody does. This is morally abhorrent, and yeah. it's not equal to what anybody has done prior. At and, all. and I'm well, glad you, you, you mentioned. Do what? Hey, I was, was going to go with LSU football as well, but by well, all means, continue. Well, while we're here, let's just press pause a second because there are a lot of people that have read the John Paul. Funaz, I think is the way the last name is pronounced. I think somebody corrected me on that on, on Friday. Have read that story and they go, $180,000 to Vidal Alexander's father, 107000 to Rohan Davey, even wasn't when his family or whatever, when he wasn't enrolled as a student athlete. This guy's stealing money that was going to children with cancer. No. What if I told you it's actually far more nefarious? Than that, it was a vehicle, right? It was. They, they were this, using this it for tax guy, breaks and all that crap, the, right? This guy was not taking money that had been donated to help with ch- childhood cancer research and just stealing it and redirecting it toward offensive linemen. It appears as if he was providing a vehicle in which people could donate air quotes, money to the Our Lady of the Lakes Foundation with the full understanding 
that they could receive a tax break for that donation, and that money could then be laundered, scrubbed, cleaned, however you want to describe it, and redistributed for the purposes of taking care of recruits. That's what we're dealing with here. We're not dealing with one guy who was going rogue, stealing money from the hospital, trying to find cancer cures. No, he was providing the vehicle for which people could get tax breaks on their cheap money. Back with you this afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi. Continuing winners and losers, but now your winners and losers from the weekend. What did you like? What did you dislike? I'm going to extend this to you as well. Here's a note from Pokey in Charleston. It says, when y'all took over the program and talked about what y'all are doing every day and you don't let fans call in, it has gone to nothing. You don't let people call in because all of you wouldn't have a job. See you. Okay. I need to I'm reread my contract. Away. I didn't realize that accepting... Uh, Wait, what's the last? Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Pokey, first of all, I didn't take the program over. I've been part of the program since before day one. Yeah, Haydad and I orchestrated the hostile takeover. We just didn't know it. We we made uh, an editorial decision several years ago to move away from calls, and you may disagree with that, and I understand that. And I'm not saying that we'll never take calls again. Um, More times than not, there were some fantastic callers who had some really good points. But more times than not, when we took calls, they didn't make sense. Or there was a bad cell connection. Or you wanted to, not you, I'm just using you collectively, wanted to talk about something that had nothing to do with what we were actually talking about. And so it caused continuity to kind of go away, and that's the reason we made the decision. Whether it was the right decision or not is certainly up for debate. If you just want a little inside baseball, that's why we are where we are. So, and now the first message is, dang, now I really want to call in. (laughs) All right, some of your winners and losers from the weekend. By the way, it would really help us if you're not a regular texter to the show. Tell us your name when you text. This one says losers. MLB scouts for none taking a flyer on Elijah McNamee. Hey, by the way, he's going to be able to continue to play baseball. Somebody's going to pick him up on a free agent signing, even though he wasn't drafted, right? You would think so. I mean, good enough college hitter to uh, to certainly you know get an invitation to somebody's you know rookie league team. You would think. And frankly, signing a free agent deal versus being drafted with the seventeen hundred and sixty fifth pick overall. I know there aren't <laughs> actually that many picks. There's really no difference. So, well, I think the only thing that that irks people is that. What was it? Felipe Franks was taken, but he was yeah. not. Magnum was not. Well, it, it just it just irks people. Wouldn't that be all the more indication that being drafted eighteen hundred and twenty sixth overall does not matter? And if Felipe Franks was drafted somewhere in the nine hundred range, certainly. Yeah, Rippy. Oh, I was just adding, and it's been shortened too, because like I, I read a story the other day that mentioned Jared Dyson. He was a 50th round draft pick of the Royals back then. Hey. 50. Uh, Mike in Oxford says the NBA is a loser for getting rid of owners. It's not that they actually have gotten rid of owners. They've gotten or are ridding themselves of the term owners 
because of its insensitive connotation. Also known as Two Dudes on Twitter. Um, yeah, it's like Adam dr- Silver, the progressive and largely very, very good at his job, commissioner of the NBA, has picked um, an odd take to squat on here. What, you had a couple of players who... Yeah, Draymond Green being one of them. What, reference the plantation mentality? Yeah, he said the, the term owner actually dates to slavery, that that's where the term owner came from, and not 1300s England. All I know is I am thankful to work for Steve Davenport, the governor of Telesouth Communications Incorporated. Well <laughs> played <laughs> there. Yeah, this is exactly, again, that fuels the rant that I've just been screaming into the abyss for three weeks. This is not real. No one actually was offended by the term. Nobody! Clay Travis, and you know, think of him what you will, did an online Twitter poll that had about 70,000 responses. And last I checked, 91% of the people thought this was a dumb idea to eliminate the term owner. Guess what? If you put money into buying something, you then own it. You are not its governor. If I pay off my house, right now, the bank is the governor of my house. I'm sorry, the owner of my house. If I pay it off, guess what? I am not my home's governor. I am its owner. I'll really put your brain in a pretzel here. Now that you're calling them governors, aren't you giving them a piece of your job, Adam Silver? Because Adam Silver's the one that kind of governs the league. These guys just own teams. But they, they govern their own teams. I can't wait to go How? home and make my wife call me governor from here on out. This is also the same Draymond Green. Wait, also... Did you just say that you own your wife? I, I, this <laughs> no, I own the house, though. Careful, boss. Easy. Bad idea. This is also the same Draymond bad idea, Borky. Green that said figure of speeches aren't okay in 2017 after that whole Texans owner thing. <sighs> um, loser category that has to be the crew that got into the food fight at Walmart. That's from Tim and Tupelo. I'm not aware of this story. I'd like to be. That sounds like fun. I'm going to need, Tim, we're going to need more information on that. Uh, Paul and Meridian says the loser is the Louisville pitcher screaming the F-bomb at the Vandy hitters. He was on my winner's list for the record. Uh, My winner, Ja Morant, for how much the city of Memphis has already embraced him. I'm just kind of picking nits here, but shouldn't that make the city of Memphis the winners there for embracing him in the way they have? Maybe it's a two-way embrace. It's a group hug. It's really cool that two small market teams got those two guys. It's huge for the the league itself, but, I mean, just when do you get transcendent star? And I guess New Orleans just lost one, but Zion is so different than Anthony Davis. And Memphis maybe never had a guy like John Morant before, at least in recent memory since I've been old enough to understand the NBA. These two franchises have never had this much hype going into a season before. Because of two guys that they got to pick because of a lottery. I mean, it's all luck, but this is so good for basketball in this region of the country. I'm I'm just thrilled by the entire thing. Dan in Charleston, my winner is MSU Baseball. He says any program that produces players like Jake Mangum and Ethan Small is a winner, and that's from a lifelong Southern Miss fan. Uh it was Mickey who really wants to call in. Joel and Pickwick says, or maybe that's that's a good place to be from. He says, I'm no, a, a fan of no calls. That's a winner. Eh, okay. Um, Paul in Cleveland, winners. The recruiting staff with Ole Miss football lately. 
when will the NCAA be headed to town? Got another one today in Robbie Ashford, a two-sport kid, a quarterback, um, which I think that's important because if I asked you who Ole Miss's backup quarterback is right now, would you have any idea? Who's? Ole Miss's. They, they have no idea. I mean, Yeah, that's, that's kind of my point. Um, and they're really high on this kid from people I've talked to, so I think this is a big get for them. Uh, Donald in Oxford says Jake Mangum, a winner for his interview on college baseball going viral on Twitter and every major sports outlet picking it up. Thanks, Donald. Loser. This from David and Socher. 11.7 scholarships. Need to have more than that in baseball. Um, J-Rod Dyson, apparently, instead of Jared Dyson, wherever that came from. Who said that? Or Gerard. Gerard, excuse me. Gerard. There you go. How about, um, speaking of the NCAA coming back to Oxford, jokingly, if they don't shoot LSU to the moon, it's point, they're pointless now, right? Same thing with basketball, and it sounds like we're, we're going to get a, a sweeping punishment for the basketball programs, at least six major ones, as they're saying. If they have a guy going to prison for this scheme involving a hospital and paying players and money laundering and all this stuff, if they don't shoot LSU to the moon, especially with the LOIC thing, they have no choice, right? You have to do it. Well, I mean, the playbook would just 100% be out in the open, and like you said, they won't Launder be money through a hospital? <laughs> no, no, no. I playbook. meant the playbook to like deal with the NCAA. Like, no one will ever... If, you get, after, if they don't hammer like the basketball in between this... If you get hammered by the NCAA after that, that's probably because of your own flaws in the strategy. Like, the playbook's out on how to get around it. Lee in Stark Vegas, loser. Me, because I can't call the show. Winners, everyone listening who won't have to hear my phone calls. <laughs> Somebody points out the whole Hashim to beat at number two hurt the Grizzlies pretty badly and their fan bases, especially when James Harden went third, yeah. hindsight being 2020 and whatnot. How about this? Won $50 on cornhole this weekend. Winner. Got drunk. Left the cash in my old lady's glove box. Loser. Hey, just real and quick, Jason. Because I wasn't here for it, I'd like to, I think I deserve a second winner because I wasn't here for it last week. Real quick. The oh, Los Angeles okay. Lakers are winners. They won. They got the best player in that deal. No player they traded or that will be selected in the, those picks will be as good as Anthony Davis. Yeah, the Pelicans Boom. just own the Lakers for the next decade. Yeah, you could have our 30th draft choice. Congrats. Lakers win. Yeah, but you're still not going to win a championship. I don't know if that's the case or not. How can they be winners when they didn't plan to sign another Max player because they didn't do the math correctly? It's fine. The Lakers got the best player in that deal. Two more quickly. Y'all get some duct tape for Borky's mouth before the missus disappears him. And Preston says Dan Wolken is a big, fat, stupid loser with no life. No explanation necessary. <laughs> Jeez. Monday afternoon, rolling with you into the 5 o'clock hour. Glad to have you along. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey, and Brian Haydad got the whole crew back together. Thank you for joining us on this Monday. Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you're thinking about building a dream home in the country, 
Mississippi Land Bank can help. Or maybe it's not a house. Maybe uh, maybe you're going to build a cabin. Maybe it's a shop or a barn. Or you're ready to buy a piece of property that is not for farming. It's just for fun. It's for recreation, to hunt on, to fish on, to ride four-wheelers or a side-by-side on, or just to have a place to get away. At Mississippi Land Bank, they have been um, financing land for over 100 years. 100 years. They know a thing or two about financing land. MSLandBank.com, where they know the lay of the land. Time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to BuyFordNow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. Plus, you can um, check out uh, all that Ford's got to offer, including the SUVs and the cars. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. And from now through just after the 4th of July, you've got the opportunity to um, uh, save a little more if you are in the military or you are a first responder. That's in addition to the incentives that are going on right now. We'll give you a, uh, a quick story coming up in just a few minutes as part of our Military Monday celebration in conjunction with Ford, Ford's way of saying thank you to those who serve. All right, Borky, you put together the list of easiest and most difficult non-conference schedules. Is there one that stands out more than all the others? Well, there's two, really, and this is the genesis of the entire thing. I got a sent a screenshot from a buddy last night, and he said, can you believe this uh, expletive? Talking about Tennessee and Arkansas's non-conference schedule. So Arkansas, I think, has the easiest non-conference slate in the SEC with Portland State, Colorado State, San Jose State, and Western Kentucky. That is their non-conference schedule at Arkansas. They get away with not uh, playing a Power 5 team because I believe it was Michigan that backed out of a deal, and they could not find a replacement fast enough. But still, that's embarrassing. And then Tennessee. Georgia State, BYU, Tennessee, Chattanooga, and UAB all coming to Neyland Stadium this year. By far the worst non-conference schedules in the SEC, but those are just downright embarrassing to the point where, uh, if I'm Greg Sankey, I'm not exactly pleased that that is on my schedule in 2019. All right, so probably the most difficult... I think I think you say probably. South Carolina. They play North Carolina in Charlotte to start the year. North Carolina was really bad, but that's not a program that you would think would stay down forever. South it's Carolina a neutral will, site, you know, it, it can be something. At least it's a power five team. They also play Charleston Southern, Appalachian State, and Clemson. So two power five schools from the ACC plus App State. Is the Appalachian uh, Appalachian State game the reason that you put South Carolina's non-conference ahead of Florida's? Because they've got Miami and Florida State, but then they play UT Martin and Towson. That, and I think Clemson's the best team in the country, so having them on your schedule kind of elevates it some. Okay. App State might be better than Florida State this year. <laughs> Maybe Ooh. so. And South Carolina in general, I mean, their schedule is brutal. So out of the West, they have Alabama and then go to Texas A&M. Those are their two teams from the West, on top of having to play Clemson. All right, so not questioning it. I'm just literally asking the question, why is Georgia ahead of A&M if they've got two Power 5 schools? 
No, A and M ahead of Georgia. Excuse me. So, so you've got Texas A and M at Clemson, Texas State, Lamar, and UTSA. But Georgia has Notre Dame and a road trip to Georgia Tech. Yeah, I'm not exactly and in love. Arkansas State. I'm not exactly in love with the order per se, but I think Georgia Tech in a transition year is going to be quite bad, and Texas A&M having to go to Clemson, the best team in college football, on the road, makes it a step above. I, and I'm not in love with it. I just Clemson being on your schedule, especially going on the road, gives you a huge bump, even with two Power Fives on Georgia's schedule instead of A&M. Definitely fair. Um, okay, so Arkansas with the worst. Portland State, Colorado State, San Jose State, and Western Kentucky. That's bad. Tennessee's got Georgia State, BYU, Tennessee, Chattanooga, and UAB. Are we going to eliminate BYU from the acceptable non-Power 5 team that counts as a Power 5 team? It needs to be. It's a joke that it was on there in the first place. Why is that? Because they shouldn't count as a Power 5 team. Okay. Because they've been kind of an elite Independent in the past, I suppose. Alabama's got Duke this year, and this is an exception for Alabama. Usually Alabama plays a good team in one of these showcase games to start the year. This year, though, they've got Duke. And not that Duke's a bad program, it's just they're not name brand. New Mexico State, Alabama also has Southern Miss and then Western Carolina. I would put Alabama's schedule in front of Kentucky. Yeah, in hindsight, I would have switched them because Louisville's still going to be pretty bad, even though I think they might be better than Duke. Flip-flopping those is probably the right move. Missouri's is weird because, like, two years ago, you would have been like, that's actually pretty tough. Wyoming, West Virginia, SEMO, and Troy, but West Virginia and Troy obviously have new coaches, and Wyoming was terrible last year. But, like, traditionally, that feels like one that would hold up okay. Ole Miss, middle of the pack in their non-conference schedule. A road game against Memphis that they are being picked uh, to lose. Ole Miss is an underdog in that game. Southeastern Louisiana, Cal from the Pac-12, and New Mexico State. Uh, Borky ranked that at number 7, just behind Auburn and just in front of Missouri. Mississippi State, Borky, you've got ranked ninth. Louisiana Lafayette, Southern Miss, Kansas State, and Abilene Christian. Yeah, they get Kansas State at home, and their road non-conference game won't feel like a road game. It's in the Dome, and they'll have just as many fans, if not more, than ULL. And Kansas State's in a transition year, and Mississippi State stole their best offensive player. So, Fair enough. Auburn's got Oregon, Tulane, Kent State, and Samford. You're giving Oregon a lot of credit. By putting Auburn at number six. I am because I think Oregon is going to be a sleeper for a playoff berth. Oh. I don't hate that, particularly with the Pac-12 being what it is. Exactly. For a a playoff berth? For a playoff berth. Not to win the title or anything, but I very well could see Oregon going like 12-1 and and winning the Pac-12 and making the playoff. Who scares you out of the Pac-12 next year other than Washington? That's it. Maybe USC, depending on how good this quarterback is. Do you trust Clay Helton? Enough. Stanford? Honestly, I don't know what Stanford has coming back. I've New quarterback and lost their best receiver. 
Um, do you believe UCLA is going to take a step forward in year two under Chip Kelly after going three and nine last year? I was about to say a step forward from three and nine is not exactly contention. And there was a report out, and Lord knows how true this is or not, but that Chip Kelly and his team do not get along very well. That there is a widespread dislike of their head coach there. Every place he's been, he's had issues because of how bizarrely private he is. I saw this report where he was talking about how most players don't have his phone number. Yeah, 10 players on the team have his phone number. Yeah, no one knows anything about that guy. He's had issues everywhere he goes because of that. That's kind of a weird, weird trait. Southern Cal this year in the non-conference has Fresno State and BYU and Notre Dame. That's three pretty stout non-conference games. Um, Arizona State. We're going to Feels consider like they've Arizona had, State here. Say what? We're going to consider Arizona State. What? What? I mean, is being a team that can challenge for the big the the Pac-12? No, but I think they take a step forward, and they're probably. I mean, they ended up going seven and six last year. We were all set to make Herm Edwards a punchline because they had that. Speaking of changing terms. Herm Edwards might see this governor thing and think that title fits him okay. Do you remember how bizarre this press release was about how their program was going to be run when he got hired? Yeah, but it's worked. But has it actually been anything different? It was. I just found the press release and the description of it extremely bizarre. Hey, let, let me let me give you the dark horse in the Pac-12 this year. Utah. Like that pick. Top receivers back. He was a thousand yard receiver a year ago. Tyler Huntley is back at quarterback. I'm sorry, Zach Moss was their top running back a year ago, rushed for over 1,000 yards, and they've got their one, two, three, four, five top receivers back this year as well. Two quarterbacks that played significant time a season ago, back this year, Jason Shelley, who's a sophomore, and Tyler Huntley, who's a senior. And Kyle Whittingham's team went 9-5 and five last year, 6-3 and three in the league. I'm going out on a limb and saying Utah could win the Pac-12 this year. Ooh. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. On Mondays, in conjunction with Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers, we are saluting members of our military. I uh, told you that if uh, you are in the market for a new Ford vehicle right now, may be the time to buy because they've got extra special savings for military and first responders. Our Monday military salute this week comes from Walter. He says, my dad, John Henry, is my hero. He was born in Mantee, Mississippi in 1921. He was the middle child of nine. Grew up in both Eupora and Drew, Mississippi. Very much a country boy. Had a high school education. After the war began, my grandfather and he decided that the Marine Corps would offer the best training and the best chance of making it through the war. In 1942, he volunteered to be a Marine. He served 31 months overseas, saw action in the Marshall Islands, Solomon Islands, and also was in the Battle of Okinawa, among numerous other Pacific engagements. He was a corporal in anti-aircraft and told me that they shot down over 5,000 Japanese aircraft during the Okinawa battle. He was drawing new gear to invade Japan proper when the atomic bombs were dropped, and he wholeheartedly believed, along with many other Marines, that that decisive move saved his and many other lives. He was sent to China 
to be part of the surrender of the Japanese there. Senator Eastland was able to get him back to Washington, D.C., where he was uh, stationed at 8th and I. Because he volunteered and was not drafted, he was not released at the end of the war. He had to serve his four years in the Marines. During the rest of his hitch, he had the honor of serving at the president's camp, Shangri-La, which is now Camp David. Captain Lewis Wilson, who is a CMH recipient and future commandant of the Marine Corps, and was from Brandon, Mississippi, tried to get John Denny to re-enlist. But he chose to leave the Marines after four years, married um, Walter's mother, raised a family of five. He says he's the best man I ever knew and an unbelievable dad. Passed on in March of 2012 at the age of 91. He was another one of the greatest generation. Walter says, thanks for letting me share this story. It means a lot. Semper Fi and God bless. And he followed it up with, and oh, by the way, he loved Ole Miss Rebel football. Woo-hoo, mercy. <laughs> so thank you, Walter, for sharing that story. Thanks to the Denny family for uh, continuing to honor your father, who was a uh, fantastic Marine and part of uh, World War II. That's part of our Military Monday salute, courtesy of Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers who just want to say thank you. Good stuff. From, uh, from Walter. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. You can text the show on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. The story, uh, a lot of different places you can read it. <clears throat> this from CBS Sports. Tom Fornelli writes, with UConn likely moving back to the Big East, where could the American Athletic Conference turn for a replacement? He points to the service academies. He says when the American expanded after forming, it was Navy that shed its independence to become the conference's 12th school. Could the conference look to another service academy? Air Force would make a lot of sense, as would Army. While neither brings an attractive television market, their Army and Air Force, they've got strong followings that could make the conference stronger than UConn ever did, but would either be willing to join the AAC. Boise State? A team that, he says, for like 10 minutes was a member of the Big East. The AAC checks in with the Broncos. Would they be willing to uh, to make the move? And there's always been the question of whether or not Boise State brings enough to the table outside of football. I think they're adding a baseball program. I think I read that not too terribly long ago at Boise State. Basketball's been pretty average there. Another independent that he mentions is BYU, and there's always been the question of BYU and the complications that go along with having them in the conference and not being able to play games on Sundays or not being willing to play games on Sundays. Plus, BYU's got its own deal with ESPN. They've got their own television network. They've got their own worldwide radio network, and so that question is out there. And then Tom Fornelli brings up the question of whether or not the American might raid Conference USA again. He mentions FIU, a school with nearly 53,000 students. That does, however, include online-only students. He mentions North Texas and FAU, both schools that have enrollments in the 30,000 range. He also asks about schools like Charlotte and Old Dominion. The AAC already has East Carolina in North Carolina. He doesn't mention, though, Southern Miss. He brings UAB up in the conversation. So let me ask you this question. Just kind of put it on the table. Would Southern Miss 
makes sense for the American Athletic Conference. Can I follow up your question with a question? How much does television market matter? Because the AAC doesn't have a network. Because conference expansion in the Power Five, like if the SEC were to ever go to 16, it would not be in a current SEC state. It would go get Oklahoma, go up into Virginia, North Carolina, something like that. Somewhere where they're not already in a television footprint. But it's a little bit more complex with the AAC because they don't have that. So are they looking for a television market? Or are they looking for a fit as far as competitive, comparable athletics programs? Because if you're looking for a fit, a team that can be competitive, most importantly, in football, well, Southern Miss does make sense because they can be competitive in football. They're in a talent-rich state, very underrated talent-rich state, and a fan base that cares and all of that Uh stuff. But if you're looking for television market, there's no chance. So what are they after? Yeah. And the AAC is... On the precipice of a new TV deal, it was reported by Sports Business Journal, Sports Business Daily back in March, that they are going to sign a 12-year deal that's the 2020-21 season through 2031-32 at an average of a little more than $83 million a year for the conference. Now, if you're in the SEC or the ACC or the Big Ten or the Big 12 or the Pac-12, that doesn't sound like a lot of money because it comes out to about $7 million a year per school. But the current deal for the AAC pays a little less than $2 million a year. So it is a significant jump for them. Um, going to be a bunch of ESPN Plus content for the AAC in that new television deal as well. So yeah, TV pays it plays a role in this. But if this deal is already negotiated, I mean, adding another team, there's not a team... I don't think that the American Conference can add that's going to sweeten that deal. And they're probably not going to lose any money based on who they bring in either. So it becomes about conference fit. And, I mean, you're not renegotiating a deal until, what, 2030? So yeah, who knows what the landscape is then anyway? Um, I do know if I were Southern Miss, I would be looking into the possibility and trying to figure out what you can do to make it attractive. So so what does Southern Miss bring to the, the table? They bring a consistent football program. They bring an excellent baseball program. And they bring a basketball program that has been trending in the right direction, though there's a coaching change now with Doc Sadler out and Jay Ladner in. So it does feel like there's stability with the Southern Miss Athletics Department. But, again, the question that you've got to ask is, okay, what does it add? How does it add to the profile of the conference? Does Southern Miss becoming a member of the American add to the overall overall profile of the conference? And, you know, it's hard to say this in the state that we live because we want to see good for Southern Miss, but I don't know that on the surface adding Southern Miss raises the profile of the American Athletic Conference. Now, I suppose the reasonable question, though, would be, well, who of those teams that you mentioned could raise the profile? BYU could and would. 
would adding Boise State raise the profile of the conference because of the football piece? Yeah, they have a Here's national brand. It's obscure, but they've does. got one. Yeah. Everybody knows Boise State and the blue turf and all that stuff. Everybody does. It's a national brand. I mean, the, the teams that you're talking about are Memphis, Houston, Tulane, SMU, Navy, Tulsa, UCF, Temple, Cincinnati, USF, and East Carolina. Southern Miss, I would say, is on par athletically with East Carolina, their former conference mates. I mean, that, that, that's the thing. When you start looking at these teams, Southern Miss has been in a conference with a bunch of these teams in the past. But they're not in a television market like Memphis or Houston or Tulane or SMU or UCF or Temple or even Cincinnati or South Florida. And that, that to me, that's the problem. And if the TV market matters and whether or not you're bringing eyeballs to the table, then Southern Miss is probably on the outside looking in. But if you're just looking at it from, okay, you're going to bring a good member in who's going to be competitive and who's going to be a good conference member, then I think Southern Miss would make some sense. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.